key was that in? C, but Jim, C, Jim. Put it in C. That's my key for that one. I can get with it on that and see. Yeah, I almost sung a solo. Did y'all hear me? Everybody around me started laughing. That measure of rest in there was killing me every time. I wanted to go. <laughs> Colossians. Look with me at Colossians chapter 1. We're going to to the delight of those of you who are glad I'm not in the Old Testament today. We're going to spend some time in the book of Colossians. Uh, just about two months in Colossians. And then we're going to go back and finish up 1 Kings and go into 2 Kings. It's amazing to me how relevant and you know you're hearing that out of my mouth. The Bible is. It's so relevant. I know you think, well, why would you be amazed at that? Some of you are thinking that. But I'm talking about on, on point relevant. Not just generalized, but on point. As I've already prepared uh, 1 Kings chapter 20, it's, we're right there. In our society, we're right there where they were. And then as I started reading Colossians, Colossians answers the question that people that are not Bible-founded are asking. People that don't know the Scripture are asking the same questions that Paul is answering in chapter 1. And so what we're going to do today is introduce it and then when I get back, we're going to go through it. And uh, hopefully we can give you some ammunition for the, the culture wars that we're involved in. Uh, that, that's going on around us, whether you're involved or not. <laughs> it's going on. So let's begin here, with, uh, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 1. And like I said, the introduction of the book even has some truths that we need to understand so I'm going to go ahead and, and look at these as far as we go I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the spirit of God lead me and let the clock be some type of a guide okay how's that Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus our brother to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which we have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day that ye heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. My goodness, the introduction of this thing has got some information, some truth there that 
we need to make sure that we have in our hearts to know where we stand with God. If you know Christ as your Savior, verse 5 says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. There's a hope laid up for you in heaven. One day you're going to spend time with the Lord, be forever with Christ. And this thing began in them from the time that they were Christians. The gospel came to Colossae and it was a brand new field of operation. You know, if you are a new Christian, the Christian life is a new field of operation for you. Those of us who have been saved and been around Christianity all of our life, we have to have a refreshment from time to time to get us back to where you are now. And so it's more, it's more blessed to have heard and believed than to have heard and grown cold and callous about it. Now, the book was written in 60 A.D., but it, it's speaking about contemporary issues that we need to have settled in our hearts today, and people are asking questions in, in public. Uh, they're, they're, they're raising questions in public, are, are questioning these truths in public, and we need to have the answers. The first and most important question of all the world today is, who is Jesus Christ? Now, I know that there are those that will tell you that the most important issue today is climate change. Boy, I'm wanting some of that climate change, aren't you? I want it to warm up around here. And it will in about a month or two. I mean, it's going to get warmer. <laughs> but in reality, that is just a diversion. Satan, behind the scenes, is at work in our world to divert us from the most important issue that's really real. The most important issue is who is Jesus Christ? And you and I, because of the exposure we have to the philosophies of the world today, we hear these questioning people that are questioning the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you read this book, if you study this book, you will not be involved in a false religion. It will prevent you from getting involved in a false religion. If you take serious this book... It will cause you not to be concerned about any Eastern religion. You, you won't worry about any of those things. And if you read this book, you'll not be worried about the outcome of the globe in which we live on. You will not be concerned with global warming. You will put it in God's hands and live your life knowing that one day you will answer to God and you will answer the most important question, which is the question I've already stated, who is Jesus Christ? Now, the book is one that we need to study because of this. Our generation, as we are more exposed to our generation than any other time in history, question the reality of who Jesus Christ is. Now, Paul wrote this to Colossae. It was a city that was not exposed to the gospel before the gospel came there. This is hard for us to even grasp, isn't it? But uh, he wrote this to this church that was established there at Colossae, and it was there uh, a gateway city. 
If you take out your map, you'll find that it was a gateway city. Uh, how many know that, uh, you all know, St. Louis, the gateway city to the west? Why did it get that name? I'm going to go ahead and give you a brief history moment just in case. But it was the gateway city because people from the east came through St. Louis. They bought their supplies. And then they were headed out into the wilderness. And the longer that lasted, the farther the wilderness went out there, right? And so now the wilderness only exists in California. No, I think they've returned to the wilderness. Uh, I just heard a prominent person in politics this week say that, you know, wouldn't it be a great idea that we would build reservoirs that we might catch this rainfall that comes down and floods us and goes right out to the sea and we don't take advantage of it? Do you know that scientists have been trying to say that to them for 50 years? And someone just repeated it. But of her being of the right persuasion, maybe someone might listen. Well, Colossae was a gateway city because through that gateway city influence, you think of St. Louis in in 1850. You think about all the people coming there from the east and and, and filtering through that city. Man, it it was a place to have a church, right? It was a place for Christians to, to influence uh, people's lives with the, the true nature of who Jesus Christ is. So the church was established because of influence, because people traveled through it. And when people travel through, philosophy travels through. Our church needs to realize that we're here to be an influence. You, not our building, you, the church, we're here to be an influence in our county, in our region that we live in. That's why we're here, to be an influence. And the church, not only because we're influenced, we need to be established. As a Christian, we need to be established. We need to be grounded. Have you ever heard of that word? We need to be grounded in the gospel, grounded in the truths that the Bible teaches, grounded in the fact that the Bible is the truth and that it has always been the truth and always will be the truth. No matter who attacks it, it will still be here. It will remain. Let me tell you, we, you know, it seems to me that that book is being questioned more today than any time in history. I'll give you uh, this piece of information, though. All the critics... Come and go, and it stays. And they have come and gone for years. If I, I just been reading some stuff in the 1800s, the philosophy that was trying to do away with the Bible, and all of those great thinkers are dead, and that living book is still here. Never, never question God. Never worry about God. Never worry about the Bible. It's going to be here when it's all said and done. You don't even have to defend it. You just keep believing it. Our church needs to be established. It means we as Christians need to be established and we need to be grounded. Because of information that travels so fast and it's so free, so easy to get a hold of information, right? We have to be more grounded than ever before. You know, I hate to say this, but I feel I need to. In 1968, I was 12 years old. I was 12 years old. 
The influencers in my life was my friend that lived a quarter of a mile from my house and my grandfather and my grandmother and my uncles and aunts and my cousins that lived next to me. We lived in a little bunch about two miles east of the town I'm not going to call the name of. We don't need to go there. My circle of influence was so small, I was well protected. I was well guarded. I mean, I was in a country where I could ride my bicycle, then my motorcycle, and just go forever and not find anybody. And then, 73, I believe it was, they, they brought in a satellite. I'm dating myself. The satellite. And you know, from there, Bible prophecy teacher says, aha, we've said, we've read in the Bible where when Jesus comes, the whole world will see. And when the, when the uh, tribulation begins, the, the whole world will see. And it will happen because of satellite. We thought, man, we've, that's it. We've arrived. I remember when they told me that one day you will take uh, and be able to see someone talk to you on the phone. And you know what I said as a great experimental person that I was I said that never happened <laughs> the internet the world wide web ought to give us an indication of the dangers of it right the world wide spider web influencing people so these things are good things and these things can be bad things can't they they can be used for good but the fact is, we need to know what we believe more today than ever before. And, and Bible Christians, Bible-believing Christians, need to be careful lest we bring into our beliefs pagan philosophies. And that's going on today like never before. So, the book of Colossians chapter 1 teaches us about Christ. Chapter 2 teaches us about defending truth. And then chapter 3 teaches us about how to live it out and be a good Christian influence. What a great balance that Paul gives to the book. Now, the Bible straightens out false religion. It will if you just stay with the book. Just stay with the book. And you don't realize how important it is that you maintain your belief in this Bible. I just was following uh, Answers in Genesis this week and was informed about someone that you would all know if I were to call his name out that no longer believes the Old Testament to be uh, true. You say, that never happened to me. Well, if you don't ground yourself in the truth of God's word, you might be surprised with how far off base you can get. Our society falls for every false thing that comes along so we need to be in the word and we need to believe the word we need to trust the word that God gave it to us now as we go back to the actual outline it tells us who's it, who it's from it's from Paul verse 1 Paul the apostle of Jesus Christ Paul the apostle of Jesus Christ it's, it's not just from me or from you it's from the authoritative apostle, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then he has his person in training, Timothy. Training. It seems that Paul always carries with him someone 
to be learning the ways of God. We'll wait just a moment here. Okay. So, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, has Timothy, or Timotheus it's called here, our brother, in training. Now, training is vital for the Christian life. You, as a Christian, were not born of God full grown. You were saved, and you are a child, spiritually. When I was saved, I was a child spiritually. And I was to receive the milk of the word that I would grow in Christ. That I would grow up in Christ and become a mature Christian. Everybody begins as a child. And the difference between being a child, a young, a young preschooler in Christ, than being a mature person in Christ is how much of the spiritual food we take and exercise. We not only need to read and we not only need to be taught, we need to be preached to, but we need and we have to live out the truths that we learn. Bible reading, Bible study, plus exercising that truth leads to spiritual maturity. Now secondly, we see here, verse 2, we see who it's written to. Now let's notice what it says. To the saints. To the saints. And then he goes on, And faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. So who's it to? It's to the Colossian people, but it's who he calls them. That's important for us to understand as a Christian. He says, To the saints and faithful brethren. Did you realize that if you are a Christian, that you know Christ as your Savior, you, you're a saint? Say, preacher, no, I don't measure up with St. Mary and St. John and St. Luke and St. Mark. I'll tell you the truth. You are St. Craig and St. Uh, Jim and, and St. Shannon. You are, you're either a saint or you ain't. Now, that is positionally speaking, when we are saved, we are a priest unto God. We have a position that we have in Christ, and we're all on an equal plane before the Lord, and there is no hierarchy in our relationship. You don't pray through someone. You don't have to have any authority over you. You are connected, my friend. And you are addressed in the scripture as a saint. Now he called them saints and faithful brethren in Christ. And that should be true of us. And the saints are about becoming faithful believers. Now he's written to uh, the assembly of these believers at Colossae. Written to that group of people that come together. God will always work through the people that come together to influence the society. I think you need to make sure that you go in the name of Jesus when you go. Now, if God gives you a ministry, I'd say that ministry ought to work through your local a group of people, your Christian family. Verse 2 gives us 
the character of that church at verse 2. Notice he said, to the saints and faithful brethren, the character, the character of them. You know, we all have a reputation. We all have a reputation. Now, some people will, will tear down your, your reputation, uh, and you can't control what people say about you. All you can control is what you do and what you are. And so all we need to do is keep being and don't worry about the outcomes. God will settle it all in the end. He tells us we're to be faithful. But it talks about us being saints. Now, first of all, this is positional as Christians. We are, as I said, St. Heather. That sounds good, doesn't it? St. Heather. We are saints. Now, religion has perverted this concept and given us an understanding that saints are those supersonic uh, Christians out there that really are special and you have to be voted on to be a saint. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, friend, you became a saint. Now, why is that important? Well, because uh, that's who you are. That's who you are. Uh, you're, you're, you know, the devil will tell you that you're nothing. Your mind would tell you that you're nothing, that you're worthless, right? You've heard that, haven't you, in your mind? But God calls you saints, and that's a positional issue. And when you're saved, you are a saint. By the way, when you get saved, you get a brand new start with a brand new heart, a brand new focus on life. That's exactly what you need to think if you're a young Christian. But we're not only saints positionally, we're saints practically in the sense that we're becoming what God has already said about us. I'm not everything I ought to be, but thank God I'm not everything I used to be. I've heard that all my life and it is absolutely true. I may not be everything I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. There's hope in that statement. There's hope in that concept. You are... You're on a journey, right? You are on a journey. Are you just sitting still or are you on this journey with us to spiritual maturity? To Romans 8, 29, becoming like Christ? That's right. We're on a journey. We're saints in a sense that we have been sanctified in Christ positionally, but we're being sanctified as we live the Christian life. We say, preacher, I feel like I'm going backwards instead of forward. I've been there, done that. But God's not done yet. It's part of the process. Yeah, one step forward, two steps back. That's the Christian life. It's a land of hills and valleys, right? It's some ups and downs to it. And the key is staying in the Word, staying in the, the assembly of the saints, the faithful brethren. Where you become like the people you hang around. I mean, we've got to hang around with the saints of God. Amen? And by the way, you young people, you need these old people in your life. Young people, you need these old people in your life. There's so much to learn from those that are old. I won't call out who they are. I remember when I came here, we had a ministry called, the, we had them called the Jolly Sixties. I thought those people were so old. I thought, I love them people, but boy, they're old. My goodness, ancient. And then we called them the Senior Saints. Oh, they were so old. I don't have anything to say about that anymore. I'm not even going to comment on it. 
But we are not only saints positionally, we're saints in transition. That God is making us into what we should be. And we have to make decisions where we come out of things that we used to be involved in and separate ourselves from things that we have been involved in so that we can be more set to become transitionally what God wants us to be. Our faith is an overcoming faith. It is. And as we become the saints that we should be, our faith grows in its influence in our own life. See, verse 2 is about our character, saints. It's about our character. Faithful brethren, brothers, sisters in Christ. What kind of brethren are we? What kind of brethren are we becoming? You know, my mother, when she was alive, was all concerned about her family coming together, getting together, not losing their relationship with one another. Anybody have a mother or had a mother like that or a father like that? When you start getting older, you'll start concerning yourself more about the family coming together. Because you start understanding what's important. Now, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you're all concerned about, i got to get this done. i got so much to do. Hey, I understand that. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. But when you get older, you're going to look back and say, well, I should have had a better balance. A better balance. Well, you know, that same thing is true for Christian people We need to be here and we need to associate with the saints of God, the faithful brethren, because it rubs off on us and we rub off on them. And we become the household of faith that brings honor and glory to the Lord. So we need to be a part of the church family, involved in the church family, and trying to execute the goals and the the, the thing that the church is trying to accomplish. Faith. Faithful brethren. The word faith is in that faithful brethren. Faith produces faithfulness. And it needs to be true of our life. Tell you, you, you're really not going to be blessed in the way that God wants you to be blessed if you're not faithful. Faithful. That's the kind of person. It's required in stewards that they first be found faithful. Amen? Now we look at the close of this. Verse 2, we'll stop there. To the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ, I, I, I need to just mention quickly, in Christ, when you become a Christian, you're placed in Christ. You're in Him. You belong to Christ. He said, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, notice he says in the close of verse 2, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. Hey, Paul just has this uh, statement, grace be to you. That's his wish. That's his prayer. Grace, that, that power to live for Christ, that strength to live the Christian life. Grace be unto you. And then the thing that escapes the world so easily, peace. When I get on that airplane, I want peace. Notice, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's who it comes from. Paul said, I'm not extending you grace. I'm not extending you peace. I'm praying that God extends you peace. And when God does, it works. It happens. There's some things we already know, but I can't help but remind you of. God is our Father when we become a Christian. When we become a believer, God is our Father. And Jesus is the Lord. We can be faithful brethren in Christ because God is our Father and Jesus is our Lord and Savior. You were once unfaithful. You were once a renegade, but you were adopted into the family of God when you trusted Jesus Christ. That that simple time that you said, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior and committed your life to Him, you you became a faithful person beginning to grow in Christ. You ceased to be the renegade. You were adopted into the family of God. And he extends his grace and his peace. Jesus often said, peace be unto you. My peace I grant unto you. Boy, you've been there before where you had no peace. This old world can kick your peace right out the back door if you're not careful. The experiences that you go to, if you're not careful, can kick your peace out. And we need that, we need that peace. We need that peace. We need that grace. So there's practical lessons here that we didn't cover. Paul talked about the will of God. He talked about training and teaching. He talked about, and we did discuss, becoming saints. But the last thing I want to close with this is this truth that I, I think Christians need to make sure they know. Notice he says, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I used to scratch my head when I read that and say, where is the Holy Spirit? Where is the Holy Spirit? Paul's letters, every time, God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'd scratch my head. I said, where is the Holy Spirit? Then it finally came to me. God our Father, the Lord Jesus our Savior, the Holy Spirit is already with us. It's a confirmation that we have the Spirit of God living in us if we're saved. Isn't that great? You may, you may doubt that. You may question that. You may wonder about that because the experience that you're having seems to be far from it. But let me tell you something. Hebrews 13, 5, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said John, in, in Matthew 20, verse uh, 28, 20, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And the truth is, once you become a believer, God's Spirit inhabits you, indwells you, and He lives with you, and He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Thank God that Scripture just reinforces that God is in heaven, that the Lord Jesus is seated beside the Father, but the Holy Spirit is in the world. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, He is with you and in you. What a comfort. What a comfort that is. Let me close by saying this. That takes place when a person truly trusts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And in a group of people this size today, I guarantee you, there's some people here that are not ready to go to heaven because they haven't 
trusted Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross at Calvary for your sins. God's Son died for the sin of the world. And his blood was shed to cover your sin so that you could have fellowship with God and spend eternity with a holy God that cannot be exposed to sin. I want to give you an opportunity this morning as we bow our heads and our musicians come. I want us to quietly stand to our feet. And I want to give you an opportunity, if you'd like to become a Christian, today is that day that you can be saved. Let's play that. Let's sing that out. Put that on the screen. Let's sing it out. And you come now. you come today and give your heart to Christ I'll wait for you right here Christian that needs to rededicate their life, the altar is open. lost today Let's bow our heads.